0: Romans chapter 12 is our last our, uh, passage for today and TGD just read it and we're going to get there here in a minute. The way we're going to do our lesson today is a little bit different. We've done this in the past but it's been a while. Uh, Pastor Mel and I today are actually both going to speak to you. I'm going to speak and then Pastor Mel will come up and then I'll close on our third point so that'll be a little bit differently today but we're going to call today's lesson all hands on deck. Anyone ever heard that term before? All hands on deck? Ever seen like a pirate movie or ship movie or anything on the sea? You'll generally hear that term and we're going to talk about what that means. Before we get there though, did you ever get inspired by something? you ever get inspired? Do you know what I find inspiring? Movies like Rambo. (laughs) Rambo. Jason Bourne. Guys like Taken. One guy doing everything by himself, right? Isn't that inspiring to just see one guy taking on everybody? He doesn't need any help. He's strong. He's smart. He knows how to use weapons. He doesn't need anybody's help. He's going to do everything by himself. He's going to get all the glory. Isn't that incredibly inspiring? I want. In fact, I wanted to be like Rambo when I was younger. Not in the killing sense, but in the tough sense, in the cool sense. Because I was inspired by that. In fact, I think we should implement that into our government, Really? Seriously, I mean, follow follow my train here. One guy who's really good at his job. One firefighter. You know, there's a fire, and you don't call the firefighting team, you call Lenny. And Lenny comes with his hose, and he puts out the fire, and we're like, Lenny, you did it again. Right? One police officer, you know, when there's chaos and riots and all kinds of things, you just call Hank. Hank comes and he handles things. One president, no Congress, no Senate, no vice president, one guy, you know, one really smart, good guy. Let's, let's get that guy in office and take everybody else out. I mean, honestly, uh, better for that, you, there's less corruption then, right? There's only one guy. Uh, one Marine, how about that? That's kind of the Rambo character, one Marine, as he just takes on the countries by himself. We just say, hey, Max, because that's a cool Marine name. Hey, Max, go fight North Korea for us. And he does and he takes care of it and nobody else. Would that be good? Would that be a good strategy? No, let's be honest. That's Honestly, that's not even that inspiring when I watch those movies. It's cool and it's mythical, but it's not that inspiring. In fact, I'm gonna show you something that I believe actually is inspiring. We have a little bit of a video clip. It's only two minutes long. But I believe this is going to be inspiring for us today. We got some music. We're going to have to restart this, Luke. This is all part of the show, everybody. This is what we wanted. It'll be here. one One guy, one tech man. No, I'm just teasing. Luke, you're
1: fine. Good Samaritans leap into raging floodwaters to save a family trapped in an overturned truck. I made it back! Come on! As more people rush to help, they make this shocking discovery. baby! A baby boy, his two-year-old sister, and their dad are drowning. Oh my God, it's a baby! Their truck went into the water as a monster tornado wore down on Rural Springs, Texas, outside Dallas, on Sunday. The rescuers frantically try to rip open the doors. Suddenly, there's the baby boy, and he's not breathing. Moments later, his two-year-old sister is rescued, still strapped in her car seat. She's not breathing either. Here's what happened next. The guy shooting the video, Tom Mitchell, put his cell phone in his pocket and began administering CPR. That's why the video is jumpy. A woman is praying alongside him. Then just seconds later, is I spoke to Philip and Emily Oakletree, the parents of the two kids. What is it like for you guys to watch that video back? One of those traumatic experiences that uh, I've I never wished to live again. This photo of two-year-old Addie was taken in the hospital where she's now recovering. Baby brother Marshall was treated and released. What do you say to all of those good Samaritans who just jumped in that water to help you guys out? We have no idea how much how good it feels to know that people were there to help her that they risk their lives jumping in to save their kids. The video of ordinary people joining together to save a family has now gone viral with over 13 million views. They are our new American heroes.
0: Thanks, Luke. Okay, now what's more inspiring, Rambo or that? People coming together, right? People... Who don't know each other coming together because something's so important. Some lives are at stake. Some young lives are at stake. And people understand that. You could tell how frantic they are. They don't even know these people. But something was so important that they they come together, they bind together, and they help whatever situation it is. And that's kind of where we're headed today as we talk about all hands on deck. Today is what we're going to call Launch Sunday. Launch Sunday. We're transi- transitioning into a new season soon with new challenges. It's still 2020. We're also going to hopefully, Lord willing, start a new book study from the book of James next week. Look forward to that. And so we're going to seek to use this lesson today to charge us all up, encourage us all to do something that we need to do together. That's what today's lesson is about, about all hands on deck. Uh, You wouldn't surprise you that the church in 2020 is dealing with maybe what could be called the perfect storm, right? You guys know what the perfect storm means. It's when like two or three things come together together storms come together and make a really really big storm and I can't think of any better illustration for 2020 than that right two three four really big things coming together at the same time for one really big storm the perfect storm and no one could have imagined 2020 would look this way or have this many sets of challenges but the storm is here isn't it and it doesn't seem to be going away as soon as we would hope so like any vessel in the sea we got to steer through this storm and come out of it healthy and upright. But we are in the Lord's army, aren't we? We're in the Lord's army. Your pastors don't just believe we'll get through this storm and survive it, but with the Lord's strength and wisdom, we can even utilize this storm for growth in a way that a normal life and normal year might not offer us. And so our goal today is to charge everyone up, charge us all up, and motivate us to get invested, to get active, and to get unified for a common goal. That's what today is about. So this isn't doom and gloom, okay? This is a pep rally. This is encouragement today. To get us all invested and help us steer this ship in a way that would most glorify the Lord and would most shine the light of Jesus Christ upon this world. Isn't it true that the light always shines the brightest and the most brilliant in the pitch darkness? Isn't that true? And today we're facing a lot of dark things. It's a really dark time in our life. Maybe the darkest anyone's ever experienced. But right now is a divine opportunity that the church has that may honestly have never been there before except in the early days of the church in Acts. We may have a divine opportunity that the church before may never have had before. And so that means this opportunity that we have is really special. In fact, generations beyond us may look back one day and wonder how we survived 2020. How did we get through that year? And How did we possibly spread the gospel of Jesus Christ further than it ever was spread before? That's the goal. The goal is for 2020 not to look back and go, wow, what a weird year, what a bad year, never want to go back there, but to say, God, you did something great. And I was a part of that. And I will remember that. And and now the church is in a better, healthier position than it ever has been before. And all that means is that our time to be the church matters the most right now. This is right now. This is the most important time to be the church. 2020, when the perfect storm is upon us. And our lesson today is to charge our batteries. Get us strengthened to make this year and the future of the church the brightest we've ever seen it. I'm serious. The opportunity is here if we want it. So we have two goals today. Here's our goals, okay? Two things that are required for Wyoming Valley Church to survive and to advance and grow. Number one is all hands on deck, which we're going to explain here in a minute. All hands on deck. We need to have everyone committed, everyone unified to work together to help each other accomplish our goal. So that's number one. we got to have everyone. we got to have all hands on deck. Number two, which Pastor Mel's going to bring up, is we have to accomplish our goal according to the Word of God, or we're going to call it the ministry of love. So we have to have everyone, and we have to do it according to the Word of God, or the ministry of love. That's the two goals that we're going to look at today. There are times in life when something is so big, so profoundly important, that it requires the help of everyone working together to accomplish the task. Isn't that true? A natural disaster. If you've ever seen those on news or ever been a part of one of those, it takes a lot of people, especially the cleanup. If you remember... Uh, Storm Katrina, I think it was 2005 or 6 or something like that in New Orleans. It was a massive storm, and it just wiped out parts of our country. And I remember, uh, I was working here in Dunmore, I remember at the time a lot of people actually traveling to that part of the country to help out. Do you guys remember that? People from all over the country, maybe even all over the world, were traveling to New Orleans and places like that to help with the cleanup and the recovery of Katrina because it was so big. It was so important, and people got inspired by that to say, I need to chip in. I need to do whatever I can. Maybe I'll send money. Maybe I'll go and help out whatever way I can. So a natural disaster is one of those times that we need everybody. How about defending our nation from an attack or your home? Doesn't require one guy, right? It requires everyone. It requires all hands on deck. We need everybody. We have an attack coming against our nation, against our world, against our home. We need people. We need a unified cause Here's one that's a little less grave. It's just when you move. You ever moved, right? Typically, when you move, what do you do? You make a call to your best friends and family and say, hey, I need help on Saturday. We're going to move. And typically, they say, I uh, can't. I'm busy. Don't call back. They block you. Um, that, that's what happens to me. Um, but no, I mean, moving, moving is one of those things, too. You've got to get people, right? Furniture has to be moved. And it's going to take a long time. And it's probably not going to be, be possible without a lot of people's help. So we have to rally people together to say there's a move happening. Here's the one that's pertinent to my family is having babies and raising children. Uh, you've heard the adage, it takes a village, right? And I'm going to say it does take a village. <laughs> I'm thankful that my village lives right near us. And you guys are part of that village as well. Uh, but raising child and, and having babies, it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of people working together. Uh, weddings funerals, putting things together like that, right? It can't just be one or two people. There's a lot of people that got to come together. Or going anywhere with a walker family, my family. That takes everybody, right? It's like, if you want to go somewhere with us, help get shoes on, take someone potty, grab the sippy cups, grab the Advil, because that's necessary. If you want to go anywhere with a walker family, we're going to need all hands on deck. Well, we have something like that for Wyoming Valley Church today. It's something that's so big. It's so profoundly important that it requires everyone. It requires all of us, or as we're going to say today, it requires all hands on deck. All hands on deck. There's a little bit of a picture of all, literally all hands on deck. But the phrase all hands on deck, it's a nautical saying. It's used by shipmen to call everyone to the ship's deck during a storm or rough waters in order to help navigate the ship so it doesn't sink. As you might expect, a sinking ship would be bad, Right? A sinking ship would be bad. It's important enough to demand that everyone come help in order to keep the ship from going down because a sinking ship would kill everybody. And if the ship survives, everyone survives. It's that simple, right? If the ship goes down, we all die. If the ship stays up, we all survive. Today, we're going to call all of us to do something that is way more important than keeping a ship afloat. Our task today is implications that will impact the rest of eternity. I mean, think about that. Does that sound big? The implications of today's study are going to impact eternity. And I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm not exaggerating. It will actually impact the rest of eternity. So you could even say eternity is at stake here. Our task as a church, our goal as Wyoming Valley Church, is to advance the kingdom of God through love. Advance the kingdom of God through love. Not just keep it afloat, but advance it. In the midst of the perfect storm, advance the kingdom of God through love. See, according to God, this task we are called to is so important. Think about this. This task, this goal that we're called to is so important that God has invested in this plan. He's invested in this plan to such a degree that he put his son's blood into it. This plan is so big and so important to God that he said it's going to require the blood of my son in order to accomplish this. Is that an investment? That's a big, huge, massive investment, which means God is holding nothing back from this grand purpose. Nothing. He wants us to know that this is our purpose as well. And this is the priority of our lives if we claim to follow Jesus. This is our priority, guys. This is our purpose If we love Jesus, if you love Jesus, this is your purpose, and it's immensely important. A firefighter goes to the fire, right? A police officer goes to the trouble. A Christian follows Jesus. That's what we do. That's what we are. That's what we're called to. Whatever Jesus' agenda is, whatever our Lord's demands are, we line up and say, yes, sir, wherever, whatever. Whatever. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. Wherever you go is where I go. Whatever you say is what I do. In fact, speaking about all hands on deck, Jesus himself gave both of his hands literally to this purpose, didn't he? To the cross. He had everything to give or we would die. If he didn't give everything, we would have died. So Jesus invested everything he had into this purpose And now he's commanding all of us today, all hands on deck. All hands on deck, Wyoming Valley Church. This is how the Apostle Paul is going to put in our main text today. If you're in Romans, look at verses 1 and 2. And listen to the way Paul describes all hands on deck. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what, it, what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. <clears throat> See, when the Lord declares to us all hands on deck, he's actually requiring more than just our hands. According to Romans 12, he's demanding all of us, our entire bodies. That's what Paul says, present your entire body <clears throat> as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Why? Because it's according to the abundant mercy we've received from that God. That's why. We already spoke about this call when we talked about the trial of love. The call here in Romans 12 and the call today is only what is perfectly just and fair according to the gift of God's grace, mercy, forgiveness, and eternal life that we've received through Jesus. It's only just and fair for what he has given to us. The only thing that is just and fair is for God to demand all of us, all of our lives, to committed and faithful servant to his kingdom and to his son. Let me ask you this question. If someone saved your life or your child's life, do you think they deserve your friendship? Do you think if they ever needed their mail picked up and brought into their house or their lawn mowed, do you think that's the least you could do for someone who saved your life or the life of your child? Do you think friendship would be obvious? Be a good friend to that person. Again, what do you think the Lord should deserve for laying down his life on the cross for sins he didn't commit so that you and I could be saved for the rest of eternity? What seems obvious? And Paul is saying it's obvious to demand all of you. We could give another long discourse about what that looks like, generally speaking, but we want to instead be very specific today about what it looks like according to Wyoming Valley Church. We don't want to be general. We want to be very specific today. Wyoming Valley Church has to do what every church was created to do, to serve the Lord Jesus and his kingdom through love. Paul tells us that if we're ready to commit our hands and our everything to this plan, that it's first going to require a transformation. Think about that word, transformation. From having been worldly and committed to the world's agenda. That's what we used to be. I was worldly, sinful, and committed to whatever the world said was right. And now, being transformed, I am seeking to be godly and committed to God's plan and God's agenda. That's what the transformation means. Was once this and committed to this, now I'm committed to this. And this transformation, Paul says, can only happen through the constant study and practice of God's word. If we haven't surrendered our lives to Jesus, God doesn't want our help. He can't use us. We have to start there. We have to surrender our lives to his son first. And I hope and I pray that everyone here has. And if you have, not only can God use you, God desires to use you. And God expects it to only be accomplished by your help. But this transformation is a means. It's not an end, okay? The transformation is necessary, but it's not the end goal. The end goal is loving the Lord and loving others, or we're going to call it service and ministry within the church. That is the goal. The transformation was necessary to allow us to live for the goal, which is love, service, and ministry. And this is exactly why Wyoming Valley Church exists. WVC does not exist to preach, to hold services, to have luncheons, as great as those are, or to even fight the devil. That's not why we exist. We exist to serve and advance the kingdom of God by giving ourselves entirely to the building up of his people through love. That's why we exist. And everything is used to serve that purpose. All the preaching, all the luncheons, all the church family time, all the podcasts are meant to serve this one purpose, to advance the kingdom of God through love. And the Lord has told us that this path is going to be difficult. Now, the end prize is eternal glory. The prize is going to blow our minds. But the path itself is narrow and difficult, according to the Lord. And he has told us it requires all hands on deck. You can't walk the narrow path alone you cannot you're not rambo there's no such thing in the christian life you have to re- to run this race and run together with your church it requires everybody listen to what matthew excuse me jesus said in matthew 16:18 this is a really famous verse but listen to the language jesus speaking to peter he said i tell you you are peter and on this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church upon you, Peter, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. The devil cannot beat the church. I'll say it again. The devil cannot beat the church when we're working together. He can't. He can only beat us individually. So what does he have to do? He has to separate us. He has to divide us. He has to get us individual pods because he can take us one-on-one or one-on-two or whatever. What he cannot do is defeat the church. The church will take down his gates. He will be the one backpedaling against the church. Jesus has promised us success. Success. I mean, you've been guaranteed success. If you buy into this plan, you are guaranteed it will work and you will win. Guaranteed by the Lord Himself. If you invest into the church, you're going to win. He's promised us the devil's army cannot prevail against us. We are going to win against evil. As dark and as weird as 2020 seems, we're not going to lose. Jesus has promised us victory. He's the Lord, He's on His throne, and we need to listen to Him today. But we need to stress this He only promised this through the church. Only promised that promise. Through the church, nothing else and nothing less. So the custom-made Christianity that a lot of people want to do today, without a commitment to church, is never going to succeed against the devil. He's too crafty. He's too strong. He's been around too long. No one individual person, as wise as they think they are, as strong as they think they are, is going to outcraft the devil. Without the church, it's like taking water guns against the devil. He's not threatened at all against you or against me. He's threatened against this. Only buying into the church and giving ourselves to its service through commitment, service, and love is going to take down the very gates of hell. Isn't that a cool thing to think about? I mean, not only do you survive, like he's battling you and you're surviving and you're, you're defending his attacks, but no, you're on the offense. You're taking down his gates. You're charging into the kingdom of hell and you're pulling his people out. And he can do nothing to stop it. So we either listen to the words of Jesus because these are his words and we jump on board and we can be assured that the devil will be defeated or we don't listen. We don't get on board and we will be swiftly destroyed by the devil. He's too strong. Or we could say it this way, and we can be very clear today, okay? If we don't invest in the church, we will not make it to heaven. I just need to cut through, the, cut through all the language today and tell you it's that simple. If we don't invest in the church, we will not make it to heaven. It's not supposed to work that way. So what does it look like for Wyoming Valley Church to be all hands on deck? And these are the two things. Number one, again, it's all hands on deck. We need everyone we need a committed and unified working together to help each other accomplish our goal unity or bust guys unity or bust and number two which pastor mel's going to come up here in a little bit is we must accomplish our goal according to the word of god or the ministry of love see i don't know how to defeat the devil and neither do you i don't know how to build an eternal kingdom and neither do you jesus does He knows how to defeat the devil and he knows how to build a kingdom, an eternal kingdom. So what do we do? We listen to him. But we are encouraging and pleading with all of us today, ourselves included. I'm being encouraged. I'm being pleaded with by the Lord today to stop giving in to the doubts and worries around us. Stop. Stop giving in to the busy schedules we all claim to have. Stop. It's not important enough. Stop giving in to the insecurities about ourselves. Stop. We need to report to duty, to the Lord, and obey his call for all hands on deck. This is the priority of your eternal soul. And we need to invest in this. We must not be bullied because we're the victors, okay? We are the victors. If anyone should be bullied, it should be the devil. We are the winners. We are the strong ones in Christ. So we should stand for the Lord, not cower, not shrink back. We are the victors. But this job is too big for pastors alone, even really good pastors, which I hope you have really good pastors, but your pastors are not Jason Bourne or Rambo, okay? We're more like Mr. Bean. (laughs) Honestly, if you had to compare us to anybody, that'd be the better comparison. Pastors can preach. Pastors can lead. Pastors can write good books. We can counsel. We can do podcasts. What we cannot do is take down the gates of hell. Pastors have not been promised that they can take down the gates of hell. Only the unified, committed church of Jesus can. We need every single one of you. And God has designed you to help us, God has designed you to help me take down the gates of hell. Like many churches in 2020, Wyoming Valley Church is limping along these days. It's honest. Tendence is down, giving is down, commitment is down and energy is down. All while fear is up, busyness is up, worry is up, and lukewarm apathy is up. It's the wrong direction. It's the wrong direction. And all it took was a few germs attached with fear, right? Satan's favorite tool is fear. Fear Fear-mongering to get us to be worried about what tomorrow will hold or what I might catch or what, what would happen if. But all it's really done is revealed what's already there. Our anxieties about life, our insecurities about ourselves, our apathy towards the church of Jesus Christ. 2020 didn't bring anything new, it just highlighted it. It's time for it to stop. And it's time for us to get on board while we have the opportunity to do so because God's kingdom is the only lasting kingdom. The kingdom of the United States is going down one day, and it might be sooner than we think. The United States was supposed to fall because it's not eternal. Rome fell. Remember how big and strong Rome was? It fell. There is no lasting kingdom except the kingdom of God, and it's time that we get on board with that kingdom while we have the opportunity to do so. And if we're not on board with Christ's church, then we're in grave danger of being left out of the kingdom altogether, because the kingdom of God is the eternal church. That's what the kingdom is. It's the eternal church. It's just glorified, just way better but that's what the kingdom of God is. It's the eternal church. If we're not investing into Christ's church now, we're not ready for the kingdom of heaven. We're not prepared for the kingdom of heaven. We don't have a ticket into the kingdom of heaven if we're not invested into the church of Jesus Christ. Your pastors are here today with a plea, a rally to all of us, that if Wyoming Valley Church was a ship, and it's a metaphor, of course, if it's a ship, we're taking on water. Wyoming Valley Church, like many other churches right now, is taking on water And we have two choices. To either watch her sink slowly into the sea and look back one day with eternal regret. Or to obey the Lord's call for all hands on deck. You see, the ship is taking on water, but who's directing the ship? The Lord. Jesus. The ship will not go down. The ship must not go down. The ship takes its orders, or the sea takes its orders from the Lord. 2020 is not in charge. Jesus. Is the captain. And as much water as our ship, our boat, the church is taking on today, and it is, it's still going to win. And we need to remember, Wyoming Valley Church, it's not about Pastor Todd or Pastor Mel. It's not how much we all agree with each other. It's not how much God is blessing us. It's not about our wish list, how we wish our lives were different. This is about the Lord Jesus. This is all about him. This is his kingdom that we get to be a part of. It's about God and his name. It's about the will and the purposes of our creator and our redeemer. And we need to buy in, every one of us, into this plan to accomplish this goal, to take down the devil's kingdom and to advance, not just survive, but advance the kingdom of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you were born and reborn for this very purpose. And we need you. Wyoming Valley Church, Pastor Todd and Pastor Mel and all of us, we desperately need you. You are vital to our success and our health. If you lag behind, if you bail on us, we're in danger of sinking. You're an essential piece to our victory against the devil, and I want you to hear that from me. You're important, okay? Incredibly important to this task. Pastor Mill's is going to now come speak to us about the second thing required for Rianne Weed Valley Church, which is Serving.
2: Mr. Todd, thank you, and good morning, everyone. Um, one of the great thrills of my life is being able to serve alongside of my son and to be able to share and the tag team, you know, World Wrestling Federation or whatever, uh, tag team. and go. If, if But if you have your Bibles in Romans 12, in Romans chapter 12, Luke, advance the slide, if you would, please, okay? Um, next one. Next one. Next one. There you go. Um if if you will remember, some of you will, and if you don't, it's it's my fault, not yours. But a few a few months ago, when Pastor Todd and I were preaching about the church, I used an analogy of a puzzle, right? In fact, I bought a puzzle, and brought it, and one day gave out pieces of puzzle. Anybody still have it? I am proud of you. I could quit now and walk away. I'm not going to, but I could. And I have, I have mine, and and. You know the illustration I shared this back then, right? During the coronavirus crisis. For some reason, all of us probably or most of us became passionate about putting puzzles together. Anybody put a puzzle together? Okay, 2 3, okay. You know how you but, but you know on Facebook, social media it's like people were setting records about how many you know puzzles they put together. I have got to tell you that's one of the most boring things I've ever done. Um, it's not my favorite, except when there's no sports on TV. And uh, there wasn't any sports on TV, so Peggy got out the puzzles. We put puzzles together. We ordered puzzles. I'm not kidding you. I got on Facebook or on uh, Amazon.com and ordered a puzzle. Have you ever done this? And come some come to find out. It came from China, a, a, a puzzle, and, and we didn't even get it for months, and that's the one we didn't even put together, but we put one puzzle together that Peggy had saved up in the closet, and we put this puzzle together, and she worked hours on it, and I worked like one hour, you know, because I was trying to watch, watch reruns of sports. And uh, since the sports are back on, I haven't ever thought about a puzzle until today. But we put this puzzle together that when we finished, there was one piece missing. I told you the story. There was one piece missing, and it drove us nuts. I mean, there's the thing done, and it has one piece missing. And and she's making me, like, turn chairs upside down. And, you know, she's there, you know, and, you know, looking in between the, the, the cushions and all of that. And we couldn't find this piece so we look at it for a couple of minutes. It's like, uh, throw this thing away. And we threw the piece of puzzle. And for a while, she was going to mark it, you know, like like give it to somebody else, like one of our kids, and say, okay, put this puzzle together, but there's a piece missing. And we we threw it away. You know why? If you put a puzzle together, every piece is important. That's how you feel. And I think the message from today is that, it, that in a church, every piece is important. And I say that because that's exactly my paraphrase of what Romans chapter 12 says. In the notes that the gray sheet of paper that you have today, we kind of took um, the passage apart and made paragraphs about it. Let me let me read to you Romans 12, 3 through 8. T- TGD read it, but let me read it again. Out of, uh, yeah, the... Uh, the, 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 the version that's there on the notes. Let me just read this again. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with so, sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function." So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. I mean, folks, let me just, let me just pause. If you underline or circle like I do or draw in your Bibles, I, I highlight the word grace, which is mentioned twice already, because that is really, 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 really important. And here's why. This is all about God. God-given, okay? Grace. According to the grace given to us, let us use them. Use your gifts. If prophecy in proportion to our faith and service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes or giving in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So to hurry this along, because you we're all... Uh, very, very fearful today, not of, of COVID, but of man, when two walkers speak, this is going to be a long, a long day. So, I, I gave you five points, and they're just, they're, they're already written. You don't have to do anything other than I'm going to highlight the passages as we go through of uh, what we're talking about. There's five quick principles about this idea of serving that I just want to share with you. Number one, we are a part, we are a part of what God is doing in the world today, which is. His church to realize we're a part of what God is doing. I admit I'm you know I like sports. No, no, like duh, right? No, no secret about that. And I'm not really a bandwagon guy on sports. Like, like start cheering for the team that wins. I mean, I kind of am more loyal than that. And I I cheer you know for teams even when they're lousy. You know how it is. And and uh you, you know how it is. But to think about that. We're a part of what God is doing in the world today. There in your notes. Pastor Todd highlighted that. Paul or Peter, Jesus was talking to Peter. But he's talking about Christ. He says, I'm, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. That is amazing. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is found, I'm not going to take the time to turn there, is found in Revelation chapter seven and verse nine. We kind of talked a little bit about that today already. Pastor Todd did as well. That verse says in Revelation 7, 9, in eternity, the writer of the Revelation, the Apostle John, by inspiration, is writing, and he says, I saw a great multitude which no one could measure, all nations, all tribes, all peoples, all tongues. God, think about that. In eternity. God is doing something amazing. And what he's doing is calling the people for his kingdom, which is the church. So what we're doing, our little group here, we meet on Sundays. You know, last week we were all out on Pastor Todd's deck, you know, and all of that. Our church, this is is important. It's really big and we are talking about eternity. Here's the principle. We are a part of what God is doing in the world today. We are a part of that. Look at verse 5. It says, so we, being... Many, you realize around the world today, um, around the world, God is working through his church. I've told you my story about my life. I grew up in Montrose. I grew up in downtown Montrose, Pennsylvania. Christy, my daughter, who's our missionary. Has done our genealogy. My, my family, where my parents are buried in this little cemetery, which is kind of which is kind of funny, Luke, because your friend Levi, that's where his parents live. Where, my parents are buried in this little town, in this little, little t- cemetery. There's a church and a cemetery called Birchardville, Pennsylvania. That's where my parents are buried. My relatives, some of my relatives are there, my mom's side of the family, and, and a couple times. I've looked around at the gravestones. There are relatives of mine that lived there in northeastern Pennsylvania and were buried in that little cemetery in the 1700s. That's right after this country was started. I tell you that story to say this. I'm from a long line of people who never went anywhere. You know, when your world is Montrose, it's like, oh my, you know, it's like, that's your world, right? Right? And I remember I came to BBC, I traveled. I mean, our, our family went on vacation in northeastern Pennsylvania. I mean, we went a couple of years to the Finger Lakes in New York. That's what, like, what, an hour away? That's my family. I never went anywhere. And then I went to college, and that was a big journey for me because that was 35 miles away. So I went to Clark Summit and met Peggy. She's from Iowa. So, okay, I made a trip to Iowa, and I still hate that trip to Iowa. <laughs> and then God called us to Detroit. I'll never forget it, got in my car, my old Ford LTD that was bigger than my house is now. And I got in the car and I drove out Interstate 80 and I got to Toledo, Ohio, and I turned north on Interstate 75 and drove through Detroit. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what's this kid from Pennsylvania doing in Detroit? Then a few years later went by and uh, my daughter got a passport and told us that God had called her to Germany. I didn't have a passport. I'm from a long line of people that never went anywhere. And so, okay, Christy, I'll get a passport and we'll go over there with you. And my daughter lives in downtown Berlin and works with people at Crossway International Church and they're meeting today, downtown Berlin. And they're meeting with people from all over the world. And my little girl, my single little girl is a part of what God's doing. Think about that. (laughs) You're a part of what God's doing. You are a part of what God is doing around the world, and that is really an amazing thing. Folks, if I could tell you one practical thing. Get out of Dodge. The world is big. Leave your hometown, leave your neighborhood. Every summer for the last, I don't know how many summers, we've done those missions trips in inner city with Vision for Youth. And I've worked with people in New York City, with downtown Chicago, with downtown Philadelphia. And even if you live in some of the biggest cities in the world, your world is really small unless you're intentional about it. Don't let that happen. One of the ways that God wants our world to be big is to realize that we're a part of what God's doing. We're a part of the church, number one. Number two. Number two, God expects all of his believers. Pastor Todd talked with you about that. God expects all believers to actively serve him all believers to actively serve him in and through his church. God never intended the church to be a spectator sport. I'm going to emphasize that again. God never intended the church to be a spectator sport where we show up on Sunday, we show up on game day and let somebody else play the game. That is not God's plan for the church. God expects, God wants all of us to be involved in his church. If you look at the the, the the paragraph look at verse 3 it uses the word everyone verse 3 each one verse 4 says all of the members to be involved that's what god wants now i want to point out something which in all of scripture okay this passage has something that <laughs> maybe we wouldn't notice unless we were intentional about that because all of scripture There is a, and and maybe I'm just wired that way because I I enjoy writing and I'm a writer and I've told you this over and over and over and over again and there's a principle that I'm making here and that is when a writer or a speaker emphasizes something and says the same thing over and over and over again, that person wants us to get it, right? God's the same way. Now I want you to notice one verse. Look at verse 3 and it's, this, the our English version does a little bit of injustice. But, but let me also tell you one of the reasons why when I was making the bulletin this week, I chopped up Romans 12, and I gave you the version that is there in the gray sheet of notes, okay, which is from the ESV, ESV. <coughs> okay? But if you look at verse 3, I'm, I, I have New King James. Let me read it. For I say, through the grace that is given to me, to everyone who is among you. And then here it is. This is something that's interesting, but lo- watch the the English language, okay? Not to think, okay? Keyword, not to think of himself. That's in italics. That's generic. It's not necessarily a masculine thing. More highly than he ought to think. Well, you get you get where I'm headed now, right? Think, right? All right, think this through. Uh-huh. Think this through, but to. Think! And then in the New King James, it says, Soberly. That word is actually an English translation of the word, Think! So in the language, the word think is mentioned four different times. You ready for this one? Get ready get ready to chuckle. You ready for this one? Don't you think... <laughs> That God thinks it's important? I told you i would be funny. Think. Now, in the language, the word think actually means to, um, it's like the word appraisal. Ever get your house appraised? Okay, somebody else comes and they look at everything. No, 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 I really don't want you to look there. But they look at everything and they tell you how much it's, it's worth. It's how much the value of it is when, the kids were little, and we'd travel on vacation or whatever. And I would play this dumb game. You ever when you travel, especially back in those, the kids would all be in the back seat. You know, Christy, Todd, and Travis. And whenever you travel, you get your pocket full of change, right? So I would have all kinds of change. You know, quarters, dimes, nickels, pennies. And I'd pull it out, and I in the back, I reach back in our car, and I'd say to my kid, whole pocket full of change. I'd say to my kids, if you can tell me how much is there, I'll I'll give it to you. And they were all young, and they were all excited about that. And then I closed my hand real quick and put it back. And they never, ever guessed it right. And I kept my my change (laughs) because I didn't let them count it, right? The word think is to assign a value. It's to be serious. That's the English word, to be sober, to be intentional, to think it through. So here it is, okay? Mel's paraphrase about verse 3. Look what it says there, for by the grace that is given to me to everyone among you, not to think of themselves more highly than they ought to think, but to think with sober thinking, with sound judgment. Okay, now remember, verse 3, this is really, really profound. Ready for this? I know, you'll want to write this down. Verse 3 comes after verse 2. Duh, right? And Romans 1 and and 2, Romans 12, 1 and 2, we take it out of context a lot. We talk about this a lot. You know, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then right after that, the writer says, think, 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 think. In other words, God wants you to change your thinking about this. And he breaks into talking about the church. You got that? So I took all of that, my time. Sorry, Pastor Todd. To say, think about this. Here's the point. God wants us to change our thinking. He does. God wants us to change our thinking about the church. For by the grace given to me, I say everyone not to think of himself more highly than they ought to think. Right? So he's talking about humility. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober thinking. Each one according to the measure of the of the faith that God has given. In other words, here's the point of all of that. The church isn't about you. It's not about me. Somewhere along the line, we got this crazy idea, we really do, that church exists to meet my needs, to make me happy, to make me fulfilled. And I think if the apostle Paul were here, he'd shout and he'd say, "God forbid, change your thinking." The church isn't about you. It's not how the church can minister to you. I think we have to shatter that. I'm not sure I've ever quoted John F. Kennedy in a message before, but remember that famous line, think you know, what you know, think not what your country what 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 your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, right? Well, maybe he got that paraphrase from the Bible. And that is, don't be thinking about what the church can do for you and how your needs can be met and how you can fit. I think it's the other way around. I think God would say, I think Paul Paul would say, change your thinking. You're a part of something big. You're a part of something great. God wants all believers to serve. And I think here it is. I think here it is. And that is serving takes our eyes off of me. I think serving is this. It's what can I do for God and what can I do for each other? I think that's what serving is. So in other words, in this passage, okay, then one more thing and I'm going to do the rest of it very, very quickly. But in the middle of your Bibles or in the middle of your notes today, I gave you a chart. Could Could you get that? I tend to think in charts and I we we tried to fold it so it'd fit in your notebooks and all of that. That's a chart. Uh, it's not exhaustive. It's not all, but about the spiritual, the study of spiritual gifts in the Bible, and that's just a quick overview. But each one of us have gifts, God given gifts, where God is equipped, God is prepared, God has given you by His grace the ability to serve. And so what? And, and then on the top of that page, I gave you the references where the idea of spiritual gifts are taught about in the Bible, okay? And I think in all of those cases, here, here's the point. God has given you gifts. Use them. God has given you gifts. Use them. Number three. Number three. Here's the chart. I talked to you about that. You have that. Keep that handy. Number three. God is gifted, equipped, prepared, and blessed Every believer to serve him. Now, um, yeah, I'm going to do this really, really quickly. I, I, I am. But if you notice in your notes that when I was doing the outline, the bullet points have one and two and three. And then there's a blank, a little bit of space. Well, I'm going to give you some things that if God prompts your heart, you can jot these down. And if not, it's not that big a deal. But let me just tell you a little bit of an overview about spiritual gifts in the Bible. All right. I'm just going to do this rapid fire. Overview of spiritual gifts. And at some point, maybe Todd will give me a Wednesday night and I can teach this or whatever. We'll, we'll, do this, we'll do this later on. But I'm going to give you an overview of what God teaches about spiritual gifts. And you have the chart to look at at the, at the same time. Number one, every believer has gifts. There are some at least one that's a dominant gift. So look at that list sometime. Look at what the Bible teaches. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter, Ephesians 4. Look at that. God has given spiritual gifts. God has given you. If you're a believer, you have God given gifts that give you the ability to serve. You do. Number two, spiritual gifts are not the same as natural abilities or as learned skills. Some of you probably are natural musicians. I am not. I can't even play the radio. I'm the worst. When Dan's playing the drums, I don't have any idea how he can keep a beat. I don't even know how he can, he can tell there is a beat. I have no idea. I can't tap my foot to music. I don't have that ability. That is not a natural ability of mine. That is not. Some of you are natural athletes. You're wired that way. There are natural abilities. There are learned skills. I'm not going to take the time to give you this, but Judges, Judges chapter 20. There's a story of the tribe of Benjamin where 700 soldiers could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. Judges chapter 20, verse 16. Look it up. 700 soldiers. I was a basketball player. And I used to shoot free throws, and I wasn't very good, but I I missed my share of free throws, right? I I missed my share. 700 soldiers could sling a stone with a slingshot and not miss. Profound, really profound today, right? Don't you think they practiced to get that good? If God has given you a natural ability, or if God has given you a learned skill, that's fantastic. Practice, use it, use it for God, but that's not the same as spiritual gifts, Spiritual gifts are God-given, and listen to me, God-blessed. In other words, I, I don't think any of us should worry about what our spiritual gifts are. I don't think you should. There's never a passage in Scripture that says, find your spiritual gift. There never really is a clear passage in Scripture that says, Peter had this gift, although we can assume that in a lot of cases about the people. Trust God to bless. In other words, I think God's saying, get busy. Get busy. God will bless. Number three is if you look at that chart that I gave you, it's it's very obvious that some of these gifts are public gifts, teaching, leadership, maybe even hospitality where others are involved, and then there's other gifts that are private gifts. Helps. Mercy. Where all of them are just as important as the others are, but are often behind the scenes. Get busy. It's it's interesting, like, hospitality is one of those, where God says there's a gift of hospitality, but God also tells spiritual leaders to be hospitable. You know, teachers are the same way. Teach the word, but others are, are blessed at teaching. In other words, don't. It doesn't take. Doesn't take your hands off the plow. You know, you can wipe your hands at this if you don't have that gift. Find, let trust God to bless your gift. Number four is don't worry about finding your gift. Don't worry about that. Get busy. God will bless the spiritual gifts. And I think it's cool. I think it's interesting. And there's at least four passages in the Bible to think through. What are those gifts? What are God? What are those things that God has blessed you? What are those things? I am, you know me, I am not by nature an extrovert personality. I'm a, I'm a writer. Trust God to bless what he has gifted you to do. I think that's a huge part of this teaching. And then number five, the principle is that always, 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 get spiritual gifts are designed to bless the church. I think you study spiritual gifts in the Bible and certainly there's time for initiative. <clears throat> Take the initiative. Do something about it. Get, you know, get busy. Take the initiative. Be creative. But, 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 under the auspices, the accountability of the church, I don't think God ever intended spiritual gifts to be in orbit all the, I'll, I'll buy them by themselves. Like, if I were to get up front and tell you about all of my, Natural abilities are all of my learned skills. Boy, I was a great free throw shooter. I wasn't. But if if I could tell you about that, it would honor me. It'd make me look good. That's the difference between natural abilities and gifts. When we serve and God blesses, God looks good. And it builds his church. Amen? Build his church. Um, Next, number four. Number four. We need each other to fulfill God's purpose for his church. I hope you understand that from what we said today. In uh, verse four and verse five of that passage, it uses the word in English, members. That's huge. That's a big deal. Uh, We understand what that is. We can join, I never have, We can join a country club. We can join a team. We can join a fraternity. You have to take the pledge or whatever you become. We can join a gang. We can do that. We can join a church, become a member. There are some requirements. There's designed to be accountability. Designed to be that. We can do that. So we understand that analogy. And then number five. Everybody does not have the same function. Everybody doesn't have the same gift. But we all have a job to do. You read through the spiritual gifts and it's clear. Look at verse 4. It says all members do not have the same function. We don't all have the same gift. This analogy here in, in Romans The analogy that God is given about the church. Now, in other places, the analogy or the metaphor is about about the church being the bride of Christ, being the family, the household of God. Here, it's the body. Aren't you thankful that not every body part is the hand? Not every body part is the foot. We all have different, but God puts them together to one body. For one, that's His church. And that's where we fit in, is to serve God with everything that we have because God has blessed us with the ability to do that.
0: Well, we're long in our time, so we're going to put a bow on this uh, here quickly. What's the point of this today? And we want to finish on our goal today. What's, What's the point of all of this? What will a renewed commitment to Wyoming Valley Church church be for? What's the point? What's the point of all hands on deck? Why? This is where Paul finishes his text in Romans 12, 9 to 13. Look at the scripture. He says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, and then he says, contribute to the needs of the saints, that's Christians, and seek to show hospitality. We don't have to linger here long, and we're not going to, but we need to understand clearly today that it's all about love. This entire lesson is about love. Loving the Lord and loving our neighbor is the reason for all hands on deck. Loving the Lord and loving our neighbor is the reason for serving with your spiritual gift inside the church. It's not just about having a little country club. Okay, a little group of people that come together and they do some things and it's kind of fun. No, we're a family at war against the devil. That's what the church is. It's a family at war against evil. Satan's declared war on us, and we have no option but to fight him or to die. And we have learned that the way we fight spiritually is not with swords, and it's not with guns. It's with love. Love is the devil's kryptonite. When we love each other, we fight arm in arm. We can't lose. We cannot lose. And we mustn't overthink this today, okay? If we're committed to the Lord, we're committed to his church. We've already said that. If you think you love Jesus, you're investing in his church as well. And if you're committed to his church, you're also committed to love. They're all linked, because without love, it's all useless. If we're not going to love one another, then we're not going to advance the kingdom of darkness. We're not going to build the kingdom of God. In fact, without the practice of love, we're actually being used to tear down the kingdom of God. That's how profound love is. If you do it, you advance the kingdom. If you neglect to show love, you're a part of tearing the kingdom down. And God forbid, God forbid that we would ever be part of tearing the kingdom down. Please know that our priority over everything else in the church is walking in love. Okay, that's number one priority. Imagine finding out one day from God that you helped tear his kingdom down upon the earth. Imagine the Lord looking at you with the charge of hurting his eternal kingdom by neglect and a refusal to invest in his church. But imagine if you hear one day from God, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you invested in his church, you were used to build up the kingdom of God, and now you're going to receive from God an eternal reward. Are you giving yourselves to love? It's the reason you woke up today. Love is your duty. Love is your priority. Love is your to-do list today. Wyoming Valley Church, brother or sister in Christ, we've stressed this already. We're going to stress it again as we close. We need you. We need you. Put your name there. We need you. This is all hands on deck. And we're charging you to join us. Take whatever step forward today that you need to. Okay, I have seven steps And I know one of these is where where you are right now, okay? I'm going to list these really quickly. Take one of these steps today. Number one, turn to the Lord Jesus for the first time or recommit yourself to him. And maybe 2020, that needs to happen. Maybe you need to say to the Lord, I got to get back on track. I got to get back focusing on you and I'm going to do that. Get on board with Jesus and with his church. Number two, Confess and repent of any sins that have been weighing you down. It's interesting that in a boat analogy, when when something is sinking or taking on water, you know what they do? They toss the dead weight. Because it's, it's weighing the ship down. It's hurting the ship's ability to stay up. And Sin is that weight. Sin is that dead weight. Cast it off. It's doing all of the church a disservice. Whatever sin is weighing you down, cast it off. Number three, all those anxieties that we're all feeling in 2020, unburden yourself by listening to the scripture where he says cast all your anxieties upon me for i care for you unburden yourself from those anxieties and give them over to the lord because the lord has told us i'll take your burdens i'll take your anxieties you don't have to carry them around anymore number four Give up your desires for your life. Pastor Mel stressed this. This isn't about us or our dreams or our wishes. And remember that it's we who serve the kingdom of God, not the other way around. We are the servant and the king is in charge of the kingdom. That's an easy one to mix up. We can't mix that up. It's his will. It's not my will. I'm the servant. He's the king and I serve the kingdom. So whatever's in your way, whatever's in the way of something that you want of serving the kingdom, It's evil. It's evil because that's not how God works this thing. He is number one. Everything in our lives serve him. And we just have to remember that. Number five, stand up to the devil. Stand up to him and remember that you have been promised victory in Jesus. If, If you'll do what he's called you to do, stand up to the devil. Don't get bullied any longer. He knows he can't beat us. He knows it. Stand up to him. Resist him and go forward in your faith. Number six. Give yourself to the service of God's church and do it for Jesus. I know Pastor Mel and I aren't the best pastors out there. I know this church isn't the finest church out there. Don't do it for us. Do it for the Lord. He is worthy. He is the greatest. He is the best. He is the most precious thing in your life. Serve the church as a gift for your Lord Jesus. And don't quit until God is using you to serve Wyoming Valley Church regularly. Don't give. Don't give up. Until you're serving his church regularly, keep moving. Keep going forward. Keep finding out what he wants you to do. And number seven, walk in love. Walk in love every day, every season. Tired, busy, stressed, anxious or not. Make love your every ambition, every day, and utilize every resource your church has given you for your spiritual nourishment to walk in love. Guys, today it's all hands on deck. For the sake of our precious Jesus, for the sake of his eternal kingdom, for the sake of our own souls, all hands on deck. If we buy into this, a great victory awaits us. A great victory. And the Lord is worthy of this sacrifice of love, is he not? Would you bow in prayer with me? Father, we are thankful for the all-hands-on-deck lesson. This is something that you put on our hearts, and we believe this is what you want your people to hear. Guide us, strengthen us, motivate us, encourage us, dust us off, pick us up, strengthen our legs, help us walk arm in arm, help us to get back on the path. Father, you have told us that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to use us once again. Father, Wyoming Valley Church needs each other right now. We need to go forward. We need to help one another, pray for one another, and most importantly, love one another because it's how we advance your kingdom. I pray this is a blessing to your people and most of all, glory to your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.